Hello, all there. Hello everybody out there in Music Video Land. My name is Adam Fairhome, and you're listening to the Music Video Land podcast by FilmedInsert.com, um, as prescribed to me by my uh, doctor is uh, Douglas Klinger on the phone, or on the podcast from Boynton Beach, Florida. Um, how you doing, Doug? <laughs> I'm, I'm super good, Adam. How are you? Good. Sorry, man. It's been a, a, you know, we're back to our normal format. I'm a little, a little rusty. Yeah, it's been a while since we've um, done it. Done it how we normally do it. So, Doug, this is a big podcast. This is a lot. A lot's going on. My, as my dad would say, it's huge. He doesn't use the H. Huh, that's weird. But we have an awesome interview today. We have Saman Keshavars, who is a fantastic uh, music video director, writer and producer and you may have seen a few of his videos uh one of them is one of my favorites jamie my intentions are bass <laughs> by chick 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 also you know it's 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 pronounced it's chick 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 but it's the exclamation point three times um which is actually one of the first videos we ever put on the site uh i think number 36 to be specific oh, uh, yes. that was that was really cute how you laughed at your own joke yeah just there. <laughs> i really like that oh if that's not gonna get played like six or seven times back to back i don't and know what is then a video for love uh, cinnamon chasers called love deluxe uh, which won the best music video at the 2010 South by Southwest Film Festival, as well as a really interesting trilogy for the Rust Chimes Midnight Club EP. So definitely, I'd say the videos to check out for this interview are the ones we just mentioned, as well as um, Playtime by B. Fleischman. And uh, Saman is really uh, skilled at making really quick narrative videos and quick in terms of the way information is displayed is really, um, I think, done really interesting things with the medium in terms of uh, telling a complex story in a short amount of time. So he may say it's not a complex story, as he does in the interview, but if you watch the Love Deluxe Cinnamon Chasers video, and especially the Midnight EP Rust Chimes trilogy, there's some complex stuff going on. You really need to kind of work, uh, you know, turn your mind on and really pay attention to uh, the information given visually. So check those videos out. That interview is coming up in the second half of the podcast. Uh, that was that was what we call a teaser because we're going to talk about some other stuff first, right? That's right. We're going to talk about uh, a, a large event that took place uh, just a, a week and a half ago, I believe, which is the Los Angeles Music Video Festival. And Doug Klinger was out in L.A. for said music video festival and moderated the comedy panel uh with some help of you know some awesome questions by me but doug doug was up there giving it his all and doug tell me a little bit about the experience of the los angeles music video festival um well first of all the entire fest was a glorious experience um mm -hmm. the um in all honesty, it was really awesome the to be able to be in a in a place that just uh, kind of celebrates music videos the way Sammy foretold. Um, it was just it was just a ton of fun and uh, like a really unique experience because where else do you get that? Where else do you get you know kind of a weekend dedicated to music videos? Um, highlighted, of course, by my moderation and my ability to spread the questions around evenly to a pretty diverse cast of gentlemen and um so yeah that's if you if you asked anyone they would they would definitely agree that i was probably the highlight now uh, it, shortly after you took the stage eric wareheim took the stage so you you, you think you've you eclipsed him in some way and aren't always uh i mean definitely i mean i don't think that probably everyone thinks that uh, so don't single me out. It's just kind of a consensus. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was his opening act. 
And so uh, I'm going to put on my resume that I opened for Eric Wareheim, which is one-way ticket to the top. So tell us about the panel. It was a comedy music video panel, and uh, I know Dugan O'Neill was on it, who was just on our the podcast before this. Yes, our our buddy Dugan was on was on there with uh, Wilson Bethel from Heart of Dixie, which is the show. He he Wilson co-wrote the um, Rachel Bilson. Uh, or, call call me me doctor. Wrote, yeah, call me. He wrote the song and then kind of uh, came up with the idea with with Dugan and then Dugan directed it. Um, And then also on the panel uh, was Nicholas Gosen, who is the uh, director of all of the Dirt Nasty videos, as well as uh, one video for Evidence and another video called Rad, or excuse me, called Rad Anthem, uh, which features a lot of fast food characters partying down. So, uh, and he also directed Grandma's Boy. You may have heard of that movie. Oh, it's such a good movie. It's, it is a good movie. For me, it's the movie that, that uh, put Jonah Hill on the map. Like, it was the first movie that I really, like, saw Jonah Hill, that he stood out. Hmm. Uh, also on the panel were uh, the, one of the guys from Epic, uh, Epic Rap Battles of History on YouTube and the, the two gentlemen uh, who produced and directed the uh, Jenna Marbles Bounce That Dick music video. And they um, uh, each have their own YouTube channels. One's called Totally Sketch. The other is called Sup Ricky. Check them out. Show notes. Show notes it up because that's where you'll find those links. But yeah, all of these kind men were on stage with me and they answered my questions as I asked them. And then the audience also asked questions. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was super fun. And then... Um, that was that's that's what happened. Great. With, with well, that, it was it was it was. But um, uh, you know, I joked to say, to say it was the highlight, but really the the whole fest, top to bottom, from from obviously the Eric Wareheim keynote, um, all the way down to you know the even the unofficial music video category, which are music videos that that are not commissioned, that are just kind of fan made videos, pretty much. The winner of that category was all uh, actually one of the most eye-catching videos of the entire festival i mean what he was what he was able to do kind of just with his own talents with that video uh was really awesome and that was a video for uh dead mouse so this video uh the video was directed by matt stone and uh it was it's really crazy uh you got to check it out also in the show notes and if you want to check out one of the new features on filmed insert is a feature that we're calling lists, which will be lists of various things, lists of music videos with over a million views, lists uh, of, of videos that, that feature talking cats, various lists like that. And one of the lists is lists of music videos that won a, an award at the LA Music Video Festival. And so also in the show notes will be this list, and you can check out the winners of the fest all right there on the page, except for, of course, this... Matt Stone video because it's an unofficial video, which is why I singled it out because you got to check that one out as well, and that won't be found on the list, only in the show notes. Word. Yeah, we should talk a little bit about. The, well, first of all, we should say that yeah, the music video and uh, LA Music Video Festival, awesome. Uh, Sammy did a fantastic job with everything from everything that I've uh, that I've heard. There was a great turnout, and it was a massive event for the music video community as well. So. Uh, we look forward to maybe I'll be there the next one next year. I know Doug, you'll probably be, um, and who knows where the site will be in any other year? That'll be exciting. So, oh man, we'll be up there with the Facebooks. Mm-hmm. Our our hundred billion dollar IPO will just be coming around the corner. Um, and you know, speaking of the site, Doug, you mentioned the lists feature, and I just wanted to mention that quickly because um, it's one of the new features we'll be rolling out in the next few weeks. Uh, we're rolling out qu- quite a bit. Um, and one of them is the, uh, well, you'll see, but one of them is a list feature, which, uh, you know, we tried for a little bit. We always kind of demo or, you know, do little betas of features on the site. You may not even notice because we're just kind of playing with them and have a few other people playing with them just for fun. And uh, one of the features that we kind of tried out but didn't like was a tags feature. And that, you know, meant you would tag a video with certain things, but it just didn't feel really compelling and um, one of the things I really like about Netflix is the ability is their lists so you know like uh, political documentaries or uh, um, you know British period pieces with a strong female lead things that a computer does you know doesn't 
really know. I'm, uh, there's a curated hand to a lot of these videos. So we decided to create a lists feature where um, you know you can, once we open it up, uh, add videos to lists. But it helps um, us categorize videos around meaningful themes. So, and you know, these things may be um, uh, thematic elements like a plotline, or they may be things that appear on screen, or even a general style. So, you might have a list of videos that uh, uh, have a, you know somebody walking in toward the camera and singing. So, just fun stuff like that. And in the next few days, those are going to start to appear on the homepage once we start to get some interesting lists going. And on your Facebook feeds. That's right. Facebook. We've, um, uh, we should also mention, Doug, that while you were in Los Angeles, you took part in an OMG Cameras Everywhere shoot. Is this true? This is very true. Um, super excited to talk about this. Um, and it will also help us uh, soon segue into our interview because... Uh, Saman actually was not only at the camp with me, but in my group. So, um, uh, him and I are basically longtime collaborators, is what I'm saying. Um, and he, he would probably tell you the same. Um, so you guys, so how does this work? You guys get all you know the kids are there. You guys break up into groups, and then each of you makes a music video. Um, yeah. Now, I, I'm I'm told that the actual summer camp is structured a lot differently because you're able to work with the same kids, you know, for a week. And so there's a lot more involved. But what, what I was, what I took play, uh, took part in was a aftercare program, um, that, uh, was that OMG did alongside of a group called Ola, I believe it's, uh, the acronym is pronounced H O L A, which is, a um, kind of a nonprofit aftercare program in Los Angeles. And so OMG worked with this nonprofit aftercare program, took the kids who were part of that aftercare program um, on a Thursday afternoon. They actually are doing it every Thursday right now. And um, yeah, bro split the kids up into groups and um, they each each group made a music video that that screened at the at the LA Music Video Festival because of course the LA Music Video Festival, part of the proceeds from proceeds from the fest go to benefit OMG. And uh, I'm going to write a sweet blog post about it. We're going to post it on our new new blog that's coming out, which is another sweet, awesome uh, other word uh, feature that we're adding to Filmed Insert that you should keep your eyes peeled for. Um, so I'm going to write a sweet post, so I don't want to give too much away. But uh, I will say this, that, that there were like 15 kids, I think, 15, 10 to 12-year-olds in the group, and uh, 12 adults either directors uh artists or m me <laughs> pretty much and uh see how I, I laughed at my joke the way you did um that's nice yeah i did that that was a callback so uh it, the fact that there were so many adults to each kid was like a really like great thing i thought because the kids really were like able to be involved you know what i mean no kid was kind of ignored or was able to like kind of just sit it out it was really, uh, and the and the kids, you know, to see them kind of really come out of their shells and and get involved, and uh, you you definitely see the kids' thumbprints and fingerprints, um, literally and figuratively, all over these music videos because they they are the ones coming up with the ideas and executing them. You know what I mean? The the directors and 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 grownups are are just there to um, essentially make sure everyone's gets a chance and to make sure that you know stuff doesn't break. Um, <laughs> who's this girl? So, and who's Maddie Diaz? She's the artist you guys are paired with. Which she yeah, uh, I, and there a lot of them were all just um, you know I, I think Isaac did like an open kind of request for for artists. I think Isaac knows Maddie Isaac Ravishankara, um, who's uh, one of the founders of, of the uh, director and one of the founders of OMG. Yeah, I think they all, they all seem to know. Not everyone knew everyone, but everyone seemed to know someone. And um, um, one story that I will tell quickly that I will leave out of the blog because it's kind of embarrassing, uh, but I'm going to tell it here for whatever reason, um, is that I didn't have, I, we, we used one of my cameras. We used my 7D as one of the cameras um, for the camp, and uh, I didn't have a, a car to 
compact flash drive, which you shoot to. So I asked Isaac if he had one, and he gave one to me. And there was footage on there, and he's like, oh, yeah, uh, just format that, and we'll be good to go. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's totally, I'm just going to format this drive. And I look at my camera, and I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Um, <laughs> so uh, I had to ask for help. And um, You should feel ashamed and embarrassed. I am, I am so ashamed and embarrassed. God. There, there, there are so many times where, where like my inabilities in uh, kind of shine through. When you talk to people who know what they're doing and you do not, you seem like it. Well, who knows about podcasting? You, me, this guy. So it's fucking that. Everybody, everybody knows about things. So check out the video. Matty Diaz, look outside, and the yeah, link will be I didn't in the have, show notes. I just kind of ran around. That was my main. There's a lot uh, of running around. You guys got a lot of and exercise. We, and, and face masks. But Wait. check it out. Check me out. Check one of the Daniels out. Check Saman out. And then, um, but you'll know him. You'll know him because right now you're about to hear him talk about himself as we ask him stuff. That's what an interview is called. And that's what we're about to do right now. Because I mentioned earlier in the podcast... Our interview is Simon Keshavars, who is a music video director, as you might have guessed. And uh, his link to his page on Film Insert will be in the show notes. Um, but you definitely got to check out some of his videos and you definitely got to pay attention because they are really, um, you know, when people do narrative videos, a lot of the times, I won't say a lot of the times, but, uh, you know, there's different styles of narrative video. There's not just, you know, one style, and Saman's style is very um, intellectually engaging or uh, very quickly cut. So um, definitely check out the Love Deluxe Cinnamon Chasers video, the Jamie My Intentions Are Bass video, as well as the trilogy for the Rust Chimes uh, Ghost by Deus and um, Playtime by B. Fleischman, who, which are also briefly mentioned in the interview as well. But here we go. This is an interview with music video director and writer Simon Keshavars. My name is Simon Keshavars. Um, I try to be a director. <laughs> I uh, make music videos and I work on commercials and I'm currently developing uh, two features at the moment. Um, my stuff is very fast and ADD and I like stuff that people can piece together and do some work thinking about. I don't know. Does that work? That works, <laughs> definitely, yeah. And I, would you say that, could we call you Emmy, Emmy winning? Would that be would that be appropriate? You might be the first person to win an Emmy that we've ever had on the on the podcast. Oh, that's strange. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, Emmy Emmy sounds good. It it sounds it sounds bigger. It sounds bigger than it really is. It technically is an Emmy, but it sounds strange. But I'll take it. it sounds. Mm. Good. And we should mention this is for your Canon Freeze commercial, which is not a music video, yeah, but a commercial, can, but is yeah, Freeze Tag commercial, correct? Um, in two thousand ten, which is yeah, but we we always like to mark milestones on the podcast. First, uh, you know, we oldest person, first female on the podcast, and now first Emmy winner. Um, yeah. So nice. <laughs> now, as you mentioned, you know, you uh, um, you know employ a lot of narrative, quick narrative styles in your videos, and you know, we think. You know, a lot of people do narrative um, music videos, but yours are really interesting because, like you said, they're very quick and they're very, um, and it's really interesting to sort of follow them. You know, I think when a lot of people do narrative videos, it, it can kind of get boring, but you have you pack a lot of information to a really small amount of time. I think a good example of that is the uh, Love Deluxe video by Cinnamon Chasers. Um, so when you're, you know, what do you like about that format, that quick narrative format? And um, and also, what do you, you know, how do you choose what you're gonna, what you're gonna kind of reveal to the user in those quick bits? Um, well, I mean, it depends. I think that nowadays, I mean, we digest information really fast, and um, it's not like we don't need movies. It's just in a music video, you know, when you want to convey a scene the same way a movie does, you don't have the time to sort of develop actual, like, you know, uh, you don't have time to actually develop a character the same way a feature does. So if you have a really long scene and you don't really care about the characters, it comes off really boring. And unless the song is just dope as shit, 
you just don't care. And I think for me, I'm always interested in sort of pushing the limits of how quick people can understand things. Also, just being me, like when I do videos, I'm very much aware that um, the people watching it want to be able to digest stuff fast. And, uh, you know, and I have, there's a lot, quite a bit of opposition to the, sort of the way I work, um, just being too fast. But I found that a lot of times if you give people 100% of the information in a very slow manner, it's not interesting. But if you give them 100% of the inf you know, information really fast in the, in the way where they have to sort of like piece it together the way their head does, then it's more rewarding. And in fact, you don't give them everything. They have to sort of kind of ask questions like, wait, what? You know? Mm -hmm. um, but it, it depends also. It's the story. You know, the Love Deluxe story isn't really that complicated. It, it sort of feels complicated to some people, I think, but it's really just more a matter of how I presented it. And I think that the idea of three different stories or parallel structures is very not new at all. It's uh, the same thing with the road trip. And, um, you know, so I try to take stuff that, maybe people have seen before um, and just kind of regurgitated in my way, I suppose. Um, but as far as reveals, I guess, as you asked, um, I kind of like pleasure delaying and I think that the best way to do that is um, kind of by adding that ebb and flow of misinformation and then giving correct information and then revealing stuff. And you always want to, you always want to reveal things. Every scene, you shouldn't give your gag in a minute and then hope people just have fun for the rest of the video, you know? Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you you work fast and that and that um, a lot happens in a short period of time. Is the whole process for you kind of like a fast process, or is, is uh, you kind of slow down during the writing period? Uh, you know, you, you have a writing partner, uh, Nate uh, Nate Egret, that you that is credited as a, a co-writer on a lot of your videos. Is is the writing portion of the video also um, kind of just as fast paced as the rest of your production? Uh, <laughs> when we argue, yes. Um, sometimes it's interesting because we'll have an idea or a hook, um, and usually I'm, I'm the one that comes up with some kind of a hook or some kind of a, uh, an idea or something I feel like people haven't done before, and then, um, you know, I'll develop it a little bit, and then, it, so I, 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 in answer to that, half yes, half no, it starts slow, and then when it hits, you know, there's that moment where you go, aha, you both get goosebumps, and you feel good, and then it moves really fast, but I think, um, you know, it depends. There's roadblocks, um, but I think most of the early writing moves pretty fast. It's usually when you hit, you know, label issues or artist issues or budget issues that sort of things, when, when you hit the logical problems is when it goes back to being slow. And then, of course, the editing room has its own problems as well. And, um, and so how does, uh, how does that, that partnership, that writing partnership work logistically? I mean, do you get sent the tracks yourself and then you you kind of go through the ones and, and you kind of have a screening process or are you guys kind of listening to potential tracks together for ones that you want to co-write on? Um, it depends. Sometimes I, I actually, you know, if I don't find the song 100% like I have to do this, sometimes I'll sort of weigh it in where like I'm kind of like I could go both ways. I'll pass or I'll get. So what I'll do is I'll send it to him and if he's not feeling it, I pass, you know. Um but uh, usually, usually I'm just the one kind of, hey, I'm interested because he's by default, uh, you know, he's, he works on a lot of screenplays, works on a lot of uh, my buddies like short films and features that they're developing. So uh, and of course, he's his own. He's a director as well. So he kind of has very little interest in video. So I think he vicariously lives through me with these sort of short form stuff. So he kind of just he kind of just goes for the ride, I suppose. But um, yeah, it, it goes either way. Um, but he has very much told me, and I don't really tell a lot of people, but he actually dislikes most of the tracks that I do videos for. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> he, does not, he does not, he still to this day hates the Love Deluxe song. <laughs> well, a lot of the tracks that um, you do uh, videos for, are, or, or a portion of them, are you know in instrumental. Um, yeah. You know, n n no lyrics. Is it easier to tell a, a story with that without having, you know, other images and other lyrics popping into people's heads? I actually think it's harder because you don't have anything to work off of um, other than the track title and the mood uh, or like the artist's album images. But uh, I, I do like it because then it allows it to be a little faceless. And what I mean by that is just when it's instrumental, your video is the song. You know, it becomes the song if it's good, you know, and that's how Love Deluxe was or, um, you know, I feel like Midnight Club. It's like 
I even have a hard time not picturing the video, even though I remember my images of both of those songs before the video, which were very different at first, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it, I think it, it, there's more of a benefit, I think, to the viewers when it's instrumental, if the video is good um, and interesting. But, um, you know, that's not always the same. Like, chick, chick, chick. It's like, without Nick, that video is nothing, you know? And do you take into account, you know, like the album art and other like concept art that comes from the artist when you're, totally. when you're kind of visualizing? Oh, yeah, okay, cool. absolutely. And I mean, sometimes it's strange because a lot of artists are very different. Some artists really don't like being literal to their images, um, uh, meaning image as a band or just their album stuff. But um, I, I use it for food. You know, I, I don't I'm not one to go give me a complete blank slate, you know, like I have to sort of roll off something, you know, and uh, and that's usually always a good start. With the Rust Chimes, all I got was the three tracks and the album art with the dude in the Porsche staring at his, in his rearview mirror with this vast of emptiness ahead of him. And that was it. That's all I had, you know? Oh, nice. Uh, and sometimes that's all I need if it's provocative enough for me and I like the music. And that's where that original hook that you mentioned can come from sometimes, that art. Yeah, absolutely. That definitely can come from it. Or sometimes I'll have an idea, like I have an idea pool, uh, which is like 70. I'm sure, I mean, I've talked to a lot of directors and usually it comes from like failed treatments or treatments that didn't get uh, bought on or whatever. Um, And uh, I just sometimes pull from there. But I find that, you know, most of the best, most of the work that I find that I'm happy with or proud of were originally made for the track when I was listening to the track. Um, but I do have some lists that are a little bit more universal that can be adapted and stuff, um, which always which always helps. But a lot of times I just take some kind of a execution from those, like the way something can be presented or reversing of time or, or forwarding of time a certain way or, you know, a technique. So. You mentioned the videos that you're you're proud of. One of the things I like on your site in the About Me timeline, you've you don't have some you have some harsh words for some of your early uh, your early f- film work, uh, you call something you you made pr- totally predictable and pretentious hitman story, um, yeah. and that that's, I mean, when you got into making uh, music videos, uh, were you kind of kind of past that portion where you're looking, you know, maybe down a bit on your on your early work? Is there anything in, in your in your catalog that you, know, you you would go back and do again if you had a chance had the chance? Um, I think I'm always slightly disappointed because, um, you know, I just, I have really high expectations. That's why it's been very hard, I think, for me to sort of catch a groove um, with videos, primarily because of um, just uh, my ability to sort of realize the format's limits. Um, And that's not to say you can't do great things. It's just, for me, I've just, the sky's the limit for me, and so sort of, reality checks always hit me and I think that you know even with Love Deluxe it's like you know some people say that's my best video and it's sort of strange because it's my first video and it, it sort of feels weird because you have you feel like you have to top it but at the same time you're like I feel like I have topped it mother efforts but it's you can't <laughs> you know <laughs> you, you, I mean it, it's just what people want and what people like and you, you at the end of the day what people people don't understand composition most people really don't care as much it's more about an aesthetic that the director and the artist believes in and i think that for me it's i i kind of have learned to build the difference of okay what do i want and what does this piece really need to actually fly and i think that that's the balance that's important and i think that's a lot it's like a discipline it's definitely restraint and i and uh for love deluxe and for even midnight club i've always i always wanted more i always wanted things to be hard and I you know I like complicating things and there's a reason people don't complicate things you know there's a reason people don't shoot a ton of one shots in videos because you don't have a lot of time you have this certain it's not like a movie where they break it down just you know based on your script they break it down when you've got you've got two days buddy and an artist go shoot it or you've got a day and an artist go shoot it and it's like whoa it's hard you know mm-hmm. yeah I'm always criticizing my work primarily because I just don't have the means or the avenue. Um, as far as my early work, they're just shit. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> you but are... I think everyone that. You know, my favorite Scorsese quote is, you got to shoot the shit out of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's a reason all these guys, you don't know anything about their mid-20s or even their late 20s. They just suddenly showed up at 29 and 30 and kicked ass. And you're like, where the fuck did they come from? They graduated school like five years earlier. 
<laughs> they probably were shooting the shit out of them, and you'll never see that stuff, you know? There we go. That's a good point. Yeah, definitely. Or I'd like to think that just to keep my uh, brain at ease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and for for me, you know, I'll I'll be like, oh man, totally gonna hit it at thirty two. That's when I've shot the shit out. <laughs> now at thirty five. Um, <laughs> I'm always I, I always go to Lewis Black, and I'm always like, well, Lewis Black didn't get famous till he was in his fifties, so I'm <laughs> I'm shooting for those numbers myself. I'm good. Um, <laughs> I'm yeah. good. That's good. I gotta, I'm not even halfway there. So, um, you you mentioned that you're always. You've, you've always got a feel some feeling of disappointment after, after your videos and there's this great um, moment in the behind the scenes of the Jamie my intentions are base video um, where where it, it, it I think sh- shooting is wrapped and everyone's kind of like got all this like happy kind of like relieved look on their face and you have this like look of just like fear and and just like disappointment and and like a little bit of panic in your face just because like <laughs> you're so you have like you have you're like so second guessing yourself and and like the there's a lot of like like really like honest moments in the in the behind the scenes videos that that you associate with your videos and a lot of these are Put out, you know, and directed by you. What what's behind these? You know, wh- why are you putting these uh, these behind the scenes videos out? Uh, besides being pretentious, I guess. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think it's. I just like sharing with people, you know, my my experiences. I think uh, you know, the the web is so mo- such so more communicative and straight from the director nowadays. As far as uh, you know, I mean, there's labels involved, of course, but, you know, you're communicating. You have Facebook, all these elements that sort of people can contact you through. And I feel that it's very different than the kind of, you know, all the big shot directors or musicians that we love who, you know, are older and stay away from that stuff or aren't part of that. They, the labels take care of that or, or their manager takes care of that. And I just feel like I don't like that wall. I don't like to pretend that I'm unreachable. And, and a lot of people do things like that. I'm like, no. Fuck it! I'll put it on my, um, I'll put it on my website, my email, or whatever, my contact. And I like doing that with videos. I feel like it's more personal. But also, like for me, sometimes I find, to be honest, like I've had a lot of people say when they don't like a certain video, or they sometimes they'll actually like the doc- the documentary or the behind the scenes better than the video, <laughs> um, just because you know how complicated I make things for shoots and how quick the shoots move. I mean, I shoot literally like some. There's like libraries when they shoot, you know, like very quick, still, don't talk. Uh, and my sets are opposite. They move super fast. And a lot of times I'm, unless it's like, a, you know, a film camera or something, I'm too scared to drop it and fuck up the whole film. Uh, usually I'm operating a lot. And that just keeps everything moving super fast. And I think for me, um, you know, a lot of stimulation just to keep my ADD at bay. So, um you know, it's just an interesting experience I'd like to share, but at the same time, I like to have people see stuff. Um, you know, how do you keep that, um, as a director, how do you keep that kind of pace moving moving on the set? Uh, that's tricky. Um, uh, I still don't think I've conquered it. I've had some issues with shoots where they don't move quick. They move fast. I guess that's the thing is I live so much inside my head when I'm, when I'm designing something that sometimes I forget logistically that, oh, that's actually going to take really long. Um, and uh, sometimes it's really about stripping stuff down. And I think that there's a dilemma to make in videos. There's a dilemma to make things look good and move fast. You really can't have both unless you're shooting like a certain style that's a little bit more documentary esque. You know, like I know, um, you know, I, I chat with him a little bit. I know AG Roy just is kind of a, a style where he captures a lot, but he has sort of more of a f- photographic quality where he sort of is able to eye and are able to shoot things that exist that are already pretty and stuff, you know? Um, and uh, that's sort of like with Love Deluxe, it was just, we just picked, we just picked the right angle, we would drive the right direction, and that's why, you know, everybody was just like, you know, how did you make almost every scene look pretty solid? And, you know, I, I don't think it looks like amazing, but I think we were able to just know, I had a great cinematographer who was, who was a union operator, and the good thing about operators is that beyond, you know, some DPs know how to fabricate and a lot of DPs know how to use what's really there. And I don't think re- I don't think a lot of DPs are good at both. Um, I think the amazing ones are, but I think good DPs really are one or the other. And uh, it really worked out for us. And Midnight Club has a lot of that, too, with night stuff, you know. Um, and so the trick is just to kind of learn what your shoot is and strip away anything that is just bonus or fat. And I think with this... 
the uh, my last video I'm um, not 100% happy with, um, and uh, it's primarily the fact that the, there were some major logistics and, you know, when you deal with a lot of people and a complicated camera move and complicated stunts and music timing, that's four variables. You know, you don't, the rule is never go over two or three. Um, and so that's kind of the balance. You either have complicated camera work or complicated, um, you know, choreography. And I think that the chick, 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 it was one of those things where we just were, we were lucky that we, that we were able to attain what we did. And I think that that was probably a lot riskier than I was willing to admit at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, the trick is just, you know, when you watch a film, it's the same way. There's moments where you go, well, how the hell did they do that? And then there are moments where they keep it simple, stupid, because they trust the material, you know? Um, and I think in videos, it's hard because a lot of it's about the style. So it's a balance. I try to, I try to have like a rule of uh, how many complicated shots I can have in a day. Or, or I can only have two shots where I do something crazy with the camera and then two shots where I do something crazy with choreography and then everything else should be like, some on, go full force, run at his face with a camera, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think a lot of it is also just being able to just do it myself. Um, DPs, a lot of DPs hate it. Some DPs are chill. It's just, you know, it's an outlet for me. It's like my pencil. And sometimes I go, hey, I don't want to tell you what to draw. Let me just sketch it for you real quick, you know? Yeah, and then leave the rest in their hands. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times what I like to do is like give them the monitor and I'm going to shoot and, you know, you see what I like to sh You're just going to see what I'm shooting and then you keep adjusting from take to take. And then I can tell you if I'm good and we can move on, you know? I wanted to ask uh, quickly a little bit about some um, logistics on how um, the Love Deluxe video worked because I think that... Um, I think that I saw the camera rig that you used for this video. Is that right? Did you bring that to OMG last week? Yeah, I did. I brought a. Um, we we actually destroyed that other version. <laughs> um, it was we just beat the shit out of it so bad. Um, the and so we rebuilt it. Um, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. We we had a balance kit that just sort of helped with the weight, the front, but um, we didn't use it a lot just because that was the one part where it looked like it was Semtex or C4. Um, so we didn't, uh, really put that on when we were on road trip cause it just looked really weird and shady. So, um, that was pretty much what you saw. Yeah. Other than like a, a tennis, tennis elbow strap. Um, yeah. So what, uh, so describe, I, cause I'm, I'm the only one who actually saw it, who would be listening to this. So tell us a little bit about what that looked like. Um, it's pretty much a modified, um, hockey mask, um, and with a, um, like kind of, I guess like a cheese plate. Um, you know, not a real cheese plate, but like the film cheese plate. Um, I don't know if there's like another word for that, but that's what I'm going to call it. Um, and then a little Cardinelli, um, clamp, uh, and basically, uh, with a hockey mask or was it a catcher's mask? I have no clue. I think it's, I think, I think it was my, my thought was that it was a, a catcher's mask, but we'll, I we'll just say I catcher's mask because you're probably smarter than me. Um, uh, we'll say catcher's mask and it's got a little dip. It's got a little divot, like a, like a Jay Leno chin up to it. And you just, we just clamp the Cardinelli to that. And what it, what we wanted is I hated POV on the shoulder and on the head, on the head, you look like a fucking giraffe and no one's <laughs> eyeline makes sense. You look like God or something. And then on the shoulder, even when I watch like smack my bitch up, those are genius videos or even Guy Ritchie's piece. You can see that it's slightly to the left. So there's always this kind of compensation that has to happen and and for really tight shoots really tight productions or and i don't mean tight budgetarily i mean like they know exactly the beats they're shooting that's fine but when you want to shoot something where the actor needs to act and you want to just sort of get any performance when he looks down or looks right um we wanted to do that and i mean by meaning actor it's just me and my dp but still we didn't want to have to worry about shimmying our body to the left to make it look like we're more centered you know what i mean um, so that was just uh, a creation that me and uh, the producer did. You know, he was just, I think this is what you have to do. And I was like, huh. And then I went to a tech store and I realized I saw some disgruntled genius employees that could probably take over the world, but they were too lazy. So I asked them <laughs> what the hell they would do to build it. Gave me some ideas. I just bought all the parts and I just sat and put it together and we, we did it, you know? 
You could uh, sell that. You could you could go into a side business selling that because that's. I mean, it's really really effective as a, and and you know you use that that uh, you know point of, of view shot in you know a few of your videos. I think it, or do you use the same kind of um, technique in the Jamie my intentions are base video or is that is that different? Um, no, that's that's uh, we use a longer lens, so that's just handheld. We okay. never. I don't think we. I think we use the rig maybe once just for stability, but no, not in that. But we I've used it in quite a lot of other videos. Who who had to uh, who had to drive with it in the cinnamon chasers video? Uh, oh well, the driving is interesting because we were um, we did it for a little while and it just got so dangerous and we couldn't drive the way we wanted. So what we did actually was we built this monopod that goes between your your crotch and your chin, and um, and basically the whoever's behind the driver would sort of mount the monopod <laughs> um, and just hold it and it would be you'd have this very strange monopod stick right by your nuts and then um, the camera would be around your mouth and you know you would signal turn point turn touch girl turn turn the radio on um, and we would just do that you know um, so it wasn't as da as safe for the camera slash the person in the back seat but it was definitely safer than crashing the whole car because you had a blind spot with the camera rig. That's safety. So, that's safety in mind. That's good. <laughs> partial, partial indie safety <laughs> in mind. Yes. Now, uh -huh. I wanted to uh, ask about a f you know a few specifically a few of your videos, um, and the one that uh, Doug and I really enjoyed and found interesting is the the Rust Trimes trilogy from the Midnight Club EP. And um, for anybody who hasn't hasn't seen this, the links are in the show notes, obviously. Um, but it, it is three videos that uh, you know tell a story over over those three videos, and they're from a three song EP from Rust Chimes. Now, I'm just interested. To, you know, it's a it's a really interesting and great concept to have. You know, we've seen a few videos that where storylines continue between the two, but the trilogy is such you know like a, a, a filmic concept that's really fun to see it in a music video format was this a, a case of they were like came to you and said we gotta have a video for all three of these songs or did you have something that was a longer concept that you thought was not going to fit into just one how did that that concept come about um i mean once again it came from that image again you know the 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 porsche and the longing and i've always i don't know I, you know here was the thing the original they gave me originally one track and i didn't and i and i wanted to see what other tracks there were and, and it was hard for me to do that because it, you're kind of saying I don't like your main single do you have anything else that I could like and I was a big <laughs> I was a big fan and uh, so we just got to chatting he did send it to me and I just found um, that I wanted I loved all three songs and um, being the ridiculously unreasonable person I am um, I uh, I just said I had to do three. I had to do um, like a trilogy, and I just, I think because of Chase the Night, um, which is the tar the last track, Targa, um, part three, uh, the lyrics are just Chase the Night, and I liked, uh, you know, and he had this idea. He loved Outrunner, um, that old school game, and I'm a big old 8-bit, old kind of um, retro fan of, of, of early 80s, you know, late 80s, early 90s kind of um, cinema or games, and I like the kind of silly chasing the girl and you probably in reality why don't you just call the cops but it doesn't matter because it's the 80s bitches um kind of sensibility so that's i wanted to do something like that with like a little bit of like some kill bill ridiculousness um you know and uh, I, I don't know it's weird I, I i can't answer it because i think it just kept growing until we were ready to shoot it but i think that the idea for the trilogy was i don't think anybody did it right and I still don't think we did, unfortunately. But um, I don't think anybody did it right. And um, I was just a really good, big fan of, you know, telling a story through all, all three short films to create one short film, you know. And um, and you mentioned that that eight bit style, which I can definitely see in your in your work. I also am a big fan of that aesthetic. Um, you can definitely see it in the playtime video. Um, the mm -hmm. B. Fleischman video and, you know, the song of, of loss, uh, you know, a parent, a parent video. Yeah. What about that aesthetic? And, you know, you can also see the aesthetic in the, in the Rust Chimes um, trilogy. What about that aesthetic is, is appealing to you to kind of replicate into a music video form? Um, I mean, partially just because I like that and that's part of my childhood, you know. I'm definitely, um, uh, you know, that's how, I, that's how I grew up. My brother, you know, I, my brother got me in the video games way early. Like, I was playing Nintendo when I was, like, four, you know. Um, nice. And, uh, 
and just I was just always playing games. I still do. I still I still that's my that's my smoking or my drug break is <laughs> is is video games. I don't do anything else. Um, so I think that um, it's just an interest. But also I think we're also fascinated with being retro, and so I find it appropriate and it's a good time that I think indulge in those early '90s, late '80s sort of aesthetics. And um, there's nothing more DIY than I think 8-bit. But um, I don't know. There's just it's something weird where I don't feel like we have a unique style in 2012. It's we're just copying other styles and mashing them up together. So there's no shame in sort of taking whatever aesthetic you want from whatever time. And as long as you sell it right, it works, you know? So, I mean, it's, I guess that's my answer. (laughs) No, I mean, I I think we are all the same generation and it's interesting. You mentioned that, you know, that, you know, our our time doesn't have a style because it is so informed by, childhood in the 80s and things and, and things like that but you know when you're doing something like the playtime video where you're taking you know the concept of of a video game and and you know putting your own your own style on it um, do you feel like you're creating a, a, a new a new style out of that or or is that more just a, a re- replication of, of what you've seen before uh, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm I'm trying to put a spin on it. I don't want to just cop. Like that's another thing I have an issue with is that like, you know, um, I won't name any specifics, but you know, when I watch videos where there are phenomenal replications of something, it's I, I kind of have a hard time saying hoorah because you've replicated something that isn't yours, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for me, there's a big difference between replication, um, successful replication, and recreation. And the difference between the two is also very hard I think and I'm not saying that I've come close or even near but I think that um, my attempt was to try to try to make something silly honest knowing that it's made with two dollars I mean there's there's (laughs) fucking magenta tape back in the back of the guy's box head you know what I mean which was actually by the way tracking markers that we just decided not to paint out because it was so funny oh really so that that was what was that gonna be when when you guys painted it out uh, we were going to track on a um, um, a stop motion paper face that would give different emotions, and we decided not to. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, it works great. I mean, I, I would have never known that. That's. Well, I think because we found that before pe- people laughed before he ran through the first portal, paper portal, and we were just like, really? And and they just thought <laughs> it's just really charming, like really charming. And I was like, okay. I, I, I mean, I was. You know, you lose objectivity when you're at that point. You sometimes so when you see when you hear that stuff, you, I'm a crowd pleaser too. I definitely like screening my work. I do that like almost with every job I can, um, or as much as I can, uh, to really help because I am telling stories. So narratives get screenings. Why shouldn't short films? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where that uh, where that kind of goes. It's kind of my my take on it. But no, I'm definitely not trying to create a style. I wouldn't dare do something like that. <laughs> um, and, and about screenings, you're now, uh, uh, if I'm correct, three three times in a row selected now to South by Southwest. Is this uh, accurate? What, uh, yeah, what is uh, uh, Love Deluxe one and the other two were selected? Yeah. Right um, now, now do you go every year that your your videos are are selected and and uh, at South by? Uh, do I go? Uh, yeah, I usually just go because it's a fun experience. I mean, I don't really necessarily just go because uh, my videos are selected. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'd go even if my videos weren't selected just because it's um, it's a good excuse to get away from L.A. but see the same people in L.A. Um, but also you see people from everywhere else. Um, I actually like to go because of um, uh, music as well because um, – it's just I get I get I don't get very little chances to sort of escape the bubble of film and uh, filmmaking, and I think that uh, that's a great way to do it. But um, yeah. While again at OMG, I heard you talking a bit about a Chitty Bang video that didn't make it out. Is it? Uh, are you able to discuss that with us? I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I, I, there's not enough me- money in music videos. I think to to hunt me down with helicopters. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah uh, it's a video that we shot. Actually, I think we. What's the date today? The eleventh. I think about a year ago we commissioned the job. Um, it was one of those things where everyone wrote on it. I think Daniel uh, Scheinhard, when we were at OMG, brought it up too. We all everyone wrote on it, and then it disappeared. 
Um, and then England, the, um, the English decided to re-put out treatment calls, and they were a lot more specific the second round, and a lot of people just said, you know what, F it, you know, I'm, I'm not doing it again, you did not get my original treatment, you didn't even acknowledge it, you got it kind of thing. Um, and I think the situation is, in, in preface it, that I, uh, I feel that the situation at EMI was, uh, was very tender because of, um, you know, the, the, the chapter 11, or I don't know if English have chapter 11, but kind of a bankruptcy issue. They were folding a little bit. Now they're owned by Universal, I believe. So it's a little different. Um, so I can speak in the past tense. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I know that there were not some positive, um, elements between the band and the label, which happens with a lot of labels. Um, it was this, this time it was just more vocal between me. And I think that for some reason I became a middleman between a mini war. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, it just became really tough because, uh, Noah was a huge fan of midnight club. He loved my work. Chitty was, was down with our idea. And I think it, it just morphed, you know, they, they label put me up with the, with the band um, especially Noah and we just got we just kind of loved each other and came up with some fun ideas and we kept doing it and uh, management loved it Chitty loved it and then you know the label was just saying no and labels wanting want, you know the, the thing about Chitty Bang is that the label wants to sell them I think is like kid teen rap you know and I think they're a lot better than that and I think that um, I think that that's what they were trying to push and I think Noah wanted to get a little bit more sarcastic and a little bit you know, not mean spirited, but just a little bit cheeky. And I think the label didn't want that. And, uh, it just became a battle. And once we approved, we came to a middle ground and an understanding. I think, I think the piece was doomed before we even shot. I think that they were looking, I don't think they were looking to waste the 50 grand that they did waste, by the way. Um, I think they were just, um, I think they were expecting to have a lot more control over it. And it became, you know, uh, something they didn't want. They wanted it to be, like lollipoppy and it was a lot more sort of you know uh parody of a a gang war but instead of you know the ammo being guns it was it was food you know like cupcake bazookas and jelly bean launchers and stuff and it was really (laughs) funny um it was like people were getting you know uh, somebody got shivved by an ice cream bar (laughs) um and uh you know they they didn't go for it we even we even went we even had our vfx guy I worked with Mark Steinberg from of Bonnie Ray on it, and uh, you know he can attest. We got a lot of awesome stuff out of it. We had like the guy when he gets stabbed by the the green ice cream uh, uh, bar. Uh, you know, ice cream comes out of his mouth. <laughs> he like pukes out instead of blood. Um, so it was pretty fun, and I'm very I'm very disappointed. It's it it's not touchy until until I go back and look at the screen caps. Um, and I sent them to Noah one time, and he was like, "God damn, that's so sad," you know. Um, but, that uh, is, you know, it, it sounds like a, a really amazing video. It's really fun, and I think um, it was sort of, but it was a good experience because it got me to realize the sort of dangers and the sort of incompetence, I think, of of some labels out there and some people of the at, at labels. I think that the trick really is just find the right team. I think, you know, you notice a lot of directors work with sort of some of the same um, commissioners a lot because, uh, you know, the commissioners trust them and they trust the commissioners and they have similar tastes. Um, I work with the commissioner, John Moule, a lot, um, who does, who is, uh, he doesn't really work for a label. He's actually kind of freelancing, but he works with Mute and, uh, and Played Against Sam and a lot of, you know, divisions of companies. But uh, he's always working on really interesting jobs. That's who um, I did Deus through and I did um, Apparat through and I'm possibly working on, a, on an upcoming title. Um, I'm cutting job uh, within the next couple of weeks through him. So I think he, you know. It's it's really about that balance. It's kind of like the film world. You're going to have execs that are just depressed that they can't direct, and so they're going to try to control you, or they treat it much more like a business, and you treat it much more like art. And you have to sort of find that those people that agree with you. I think. And yeah, we're we the the video music video community grieves for the loss of the Chitty Bang video. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, we, well, one day I'll, I'll I'll release it, and we can all like sing Happy Joy Joy or something together. So there we go. That's an interview with Saman. Saman is a really cool guy. I'm really interested to see 
what is uh, what he's doing next because along with um, you know as we mentioned he's Emmy award winning for uh, commercial he also does commercial work and he also as you heard is working on two feature films so there's definitely a lot coming down the pipeline from Simon in the music video world as well as in the other visual visual and audio worlds the AV world. I think they should call it the. I think they should change the name for like Hollywood to like AV AV department of it the United States. It definitely would. It, it definitely would class it up, <laughs> and it would give it a lot more respect. So uh, I say go for it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Just just give just give this like g- put the picture in people's head that Hollywood is just a bunch of people with projectors, and um, TVs on a cart. Yep, TVs on a cart. That's it. You know you. you uh, how, do they have flat? I, I guess they don't have flat screen TVs in schools now, do they? I keep thinking. No, 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 no. I don't think so. I, I mean, maybe cause they no, because they still have the ones from when we were in school. I mean, it's not like there's throwing money at schools right now. Um, they still you still have to wheel in like a big ass like yeah. thirty inch TV that weighs like a ton, like a pound. It's like remember they're strapped to the cart. <laughs> I know, I know. And the thing is, like, <laughs> you'd bring it to like a portable, and there'd be. Um, stairs and you just like no way to bring it up it's like wait <laughs> portables are required to have means for handicapped students in order to enter why can't i also bring a tv in i act like i like i was in the av club which i totally wasn't um i don't think there's i don't even remember an av club i, I don't think there was wasn't lie. there wasn't that was that's just like a thing that they made like they make up in movies av clubs and 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 the fact that girls talk to boys because that definitely didn't happen in high school either <laughs> No way. I never saw it happen. It didn't happen to me. The first girl I ever talked to was Leah McKissick on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I had to get that. That joke was just hanging out there, dude. It was there. Uh, yes. We don't talk a lot in the real life. <laughs> we, I do web we shuffle stuff, around. We, we shuffle around look at, like looking at the floor. Well, yeah, yeah. We gotta, you got to go first with your pick. Get, your, get, yeah, get no, on no, with your I'm, bad I'm, pick. I'm, su- I'm super ready for my pick because uh, my pick of the week is um, – is actually by uh, it's a music video directed by Saman. I I was so inspired by by um, the interview that I just had to pick a music video that he directed, and so um, I did. My pick of the week is a song called Drunk, uh, and it's by an artist named Ed Surin. Um, hey, 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 it's 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 Ed. Hey, this is Saman. I'm still on the call. Uh, it's Ed Sheeran. Uh, you're pronouncing it pretty uh- weird. Oh, 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 okay. I'm yeah. sorry. I, uh, so, go ahead. Uh, in, go ahead. What? What? Go ahead. Continue. No, I was... Okay, so I was just going to say that in this video, uh, um, Ed is there, and he's... Um, it, it looks like he's just uh, probably broken up with a girlfriend. And uh, yeah, he's... Uh, do you, do you want to... Do you think you'd be? I'm just gonna do. This. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're missing it. Okay, so it's basically about this guy who's tragically broken up with his girlfriend. Terribly, he's so sad. I mean, he might be on the verge of committing suicide. And while he's drinking, suddenly he has this whimsical moment where his cat comes to life uh, and uh, saves his life. It uh, it's uh, and there's this cliffhanger moment where um, you're not sure if if the cat's real. That's right. Deep stuff. That's how you say it, Doug. Uh, yeah, that that probably is a is a lot better way to do um, a pick of the week than what we do. So, um, with that, I I will say check out the video, uh, "Drunk" by uh, what? Say the name again for me because I'm not going to be able to. It's Ed Sheeran. You were that asking I, for I, it. You were struggling. I guess yeah, Simon. Why did you? Why did you? I mean, I know I'm shitty, but why did you do that? It's uh, it's my fault. I I'm is in charge he, of audio, and I didn't notice he was still on. I apologize. Is he st- is he still there? He's probably gone. Oh, okay. But you never can tell. Right. Uh, he's a, he's 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 like a cat. People like, don't know we record this in a moving van that just drives around LA in a circle. People just get in, get out. Yeah, and just like interrupt our picks of the week. It's. It's a really stupid way we do this. We should rethink it. Um, but I love, you know, cats on the internet. People love cats on the internet. And this cat is, he's a great actor or actress. I saw some behind the scenes pictures from that video. And um, there's a, a puppet cat. 
Well, and uh, um, it I hope looked, so. Well, yeah, of course, for certain parts, but like it had like wires coming out of the back end and stuff. It was like an electronic puppet wow. cat. That's high tech. High fancy stuff. Saman doesn't fuck around. Um, he does not. But the w thing I keep thinking when watching that video is that there's like guys at a bar with his cat and like if other people are looking at him just the cat it's like him like feeding beer to his cat while crying about his girlfriend it's a little sad i mean in his head it's awesome but um you always gotta think of the reality there if you're a realist sorry did i ruin the video for everybody i apologize the cats are funny i love cat i love me some cats uh except when i fucking hate them uh adam i hope you i'm hoping that your pick of the week is 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 something but i'm gonna just let you do it instead of trying to guess what do you mean it's something well there's a video that you posted recently that i'm like really hoping that you make your pick of the week because i love it so much but just pick whatever you want well, well, well i'm interested because it's not that video i can assure you uh, what, what did i post what did i post no, no nothing ever fuck it i'm not even going down <sighs> there okay well I, I think we would be remiss if we did not mention uh the beastie boy the uh, mca adam yauk who passed away um several days ago from cancer who is uh notable in the music world obviously for being a member of the beastie boys who have been you know incredibly influential from geez the time we were born up until now um you know, from licensed L to you know Paul's boutique, all the way up to uh, Hot Sauce Committee Part Two, which just came out last year. And, and, it's, and especially in the music video world, have they been? Uh, I mean, I guess not especially, but it definitely included in there. I mean, they're pioneers in hip hop and in 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 in, in pop music, kind of in general. But uh, their music videos are very groundbreaking and were from start to finish you know what i mean early early to late early till their most recent one which adam actually directed um right right well, hold on who's doing the pick here who's doing the pick? shut up you haven't even picked a song yet so i'm chatting it up too okay yeah well, this is a general chat portion because we got to talk about uh about the beastie boys because um adam yeah, yeah you can't bring up a big groundbreaking musical influential thing that happened and spanked me to sit on my lips. Well, I thought, I thought we'd talk about just a few of the videos. I picked one of the Beastie Boy videos because um, Adam Yelk directed a number of their videos uh, under the uh, alias uh, Nathaniel Hornblower. And so he was the, per you know, out of the three, he was the, you know, visually minded one, the person who directed a lot of their videos. Now, he did not direct... Um, you know, probably one of the most, you know, iconic music videos of the Beastie Boys career as well as the 90s, uh, which is Sabotage. That was by Spike Jones, but he directed, m you know, much of the rest of their catalog. Um, so I'm thinking about uh, 1992, uh, What You Want, which is, uh, so What You Want, sorry, which is a, a, I definitely remember that video, as well as, um, all the way up to, we should mention this, the one that just came out a few weeks ago, which is the Beastie Boys Make Some Noise, uh, because this is a massively huge video directed by Nathaniel Hornblower, a.k.a. Adam Yauk, who, and it's, you have to check out the page on this on Film Dudes here, because the amount of people, celebrities in this video is maybe groundbreaking. I mean, we could have a, we could have a record here, but the video that I wanted to pick was my favorite Beastie Boy, Boys video. Um, it's from 1998, and that is Intergalactic. Doug, do you remember this video? Absolutely. I remember that video. Um, and it's a good thing you shut me up before, because I would have brought it up when I was interrupting your pick earlier. But they actually showed, they had like a little intro at the LA Music Video Fest before each category, and it was just kind of a montage of videos. And one of the videos in the montage was Intergalactic. It's a really... Uh, iconic video and it's directed by Adam Yauk and I remember when this came out it, this was you know the Beastie Boys were really popular in the you know, late 80s early 90s and they had a little bit of a lull and then Hello Nasty which came out in 1998 was kind of their comeback album in a way and it gave them Intergalactic was their first top 40 hit in like a decade and the music video 
to go along with it was massive on MTV. This is 1998. This is kind of the middle of the heyday of MTV for people of uh, you know my generation, the people who were watching it in the late 90s. Uh, when you like Total Request Live, when with Carson Daly was a sort of a daily viewing ritual for um, for a lot of people my age, and or our age, I mean. And this one, a best hip hop video at the 1999 MTV Music Video Awards, and they had a great uh, live performance there. But the premise of the video is it is you know a parody of these Japanese uh, films, which are called uh, kaiju films, where you've you've seen this kind of thing before, where it's like a very obviously a model city, uh, where with a you know giant you know guy in a monster costume, kind of like a Godzilla style film. You know, who's like walking around and knocking down buildings, and you know the image that you probably remember. I think even more than the the um, you know the giant monster fighting the the robot is them in the t- Tokyo subway stations. You know, moving around in these ridiculous-looking costumes were actually uh, Japanese street construction workers' uh, cost uh, uniform. So if you're in Japan, you'd say, "Oh, they're." Uh, the dress as construction workers, but everywhere else, everywhere else, including in the U.S., they just had on really weird-looking, vaguely construction-like costumes. Um, and the video, as was very many things in 1998, was sort of toned down in the color. It was uh, well, you had two styles in that, that era, which was the kind of Mick G, very saturated music video. Sugar Ray and Bare Naked Ladies style, and, and you also had you know like the Matrix style, which is this was shot in where it's a little bit tinted, um, a little bit um, washed out in terms of the colors and the contrast. So in the in that sense, it's very of that time in terms of the style. Uh, but you know, if you watched any promo for MTV between like 1998 and 2000, a little clip of this. Uh, was in there and I think it's a really entertaining video it has that um, iconic element of the Beastie Boys it has that um, really signature them three of them playing to the camera which they really kind of invented from the so what you want video onward Um, and it also has the signature you know uh, comedic element to that you know Beastie Boys are really funny guys and they really let that shine through in their videos Um, so that's my pick intergalactic Yes, several generations um, find the Beastie Boys music significant. Uh, I have a cousin who is 20 years older than I am, and the Beastie Boys are, in in fact, probably more so significant than people of his generation than they are of ours. And so... We should really one time spend... Because we can't talk about it now. We're out of time, but we need to talk about the the video for uh, Make Some Noise because it just... It's so packed with people uh, and really huge stars, and it's such a funny concept that it's a really yeah, interesting video. so many names. Yeah, I, I remember putting that one on the site and kind of just going through the video slowly, and I'm, I'm sure I could have found it easier, but I just went through the, went through the video and, and tried to spot out all the faces and uh, did a great job. Uh, David Cross is in it? Okay, I didn't really do that. I hope people don't actually think I was, I was I'm a dick. I don't know how convincing that was, but <laughs>